come up. <clears throat> I want to pull up the questions I sent her. So <laughs> um, this morning I wanted to just have Emma. She's going to share a little bit about the trip, but uh, each month we like to just take a, or we're starting to, to take some time and look at, at our whole life as discipleship, how we live out our faith and what we do. And on emissions trips, we had an opportunity to go down and experience a whole bunch of different aspects of, of life. And all of it, you know, we come back and we're like, look how we serve Jesus and what we did on the missions trip. But in several of those things, it's just like daily life. And it is serving Jesus that we get an opportunity every day when we wake up and God gives us breath that we can live in service of Christ and worship him through the things that we do. Um, and so I just thought I'd ask Emma. She's uh, in... Uh, college, going to Grace College. She works at Chick-fil-A. Um, she's a youth group leader. She's in the worship team. She's pretty busy, and she's taking time to share with us this morning. So thank you, Emma. Um, so the first question was, what was a highlight for you from the trip? Okay, so hi, guys. Um, first, like, the whole trip was amazing. I just saw, like, God working in so many ways on that. But I think one of the highlights for me was when Jackson and Kayla and Papa Gabi shared their testimonies in the morning. It was really cool to hear how God was working in their life, uh, even to encourage us as we were going to go and share with others about how God was working with us. So I think just hearing how God's faithfulness in their life affected them really like inspired us in our work on the trip. So Excellent. Thanks. So on the trip, we did a variety of things, service projects, cultural experiences. We had some teaching and playing with kids, which everybody loves. But in what ways did you experience worshiping God on this trip? So I think Sunday, so we went to their house church. So it was like 12 people maybe, but it was just this awesome little community gathering in Papa Gavi's house. Um, it was really cool to see, like we were welcomed as family, not as strangers, and we're worshiping in their language a familiar and unfamiliar songs. It was really cool to see that we have this this universal church family that it's not just the American church, right? It's like the global church. And so that was really cool to worship alongside, you know, believers from places we never, like, met before. And so it's really cool. Awesome. That is, the, the, the common faith is, is such an important lesson. Um, one, one mission trip, a student said, um, now I know God's not just an, uh, the American God, he's the universal God. And just, we might intellectually know that, but when you feel that, when you're worshiping with your brothers and sisters in a different place. So having this missions trip experience, what are some things you are hoping to integrate in your life now that you are back? So something I saw, and I think the whole team saw a little bit, Anna shared about it last week, but just the amount of prayer and the, the faithfulness of like the way our hosts prayed in Mexico, just a little convicting for me because I feel like for me when I pray like I'm asking God in faith but at the same time I'm already making plan b and plan c in case that doesn't work out and so they don't have a plan b they don't have a plan c and so it was really cool to see just the faithfulness and the belief in their player in their prayer and it was really cool so I think like implementing more prayer in my life and just the faith behind it the last question how can we be praying for you so I think on the trip, we were a little more focused on what we were supposed to be doing. Like, the only reason we were there was to share Jesus. When we get back, like, we have all these distractions and the busyness of life. Uh, but in reality, like, we're missionaries the whole time. We're supposed to be witnesses here, there, and everywhere. And so I, I think, like, cultivating that, like, that premise behind why we're here, just bringing the mission home and continuing it. Very good. Well, let's pray for you. 
Father God, thank you so much for Emma, for her life, and for her ministry. Lord, thank you that she was able to go on this trip with us and uh, to be an example of the faith, Lord, to learn so much. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, others like her also who are in that phase of life where they're, they're working, they're going to school, they're juggling a whole lot of different things, Lord, and that uh, as, as she asked for the reminder of keeping the main thing, the main thing of, of coming to you in prayer, trusting you, um, and stepping out in faith, Lord, that uh, living out the, the proclamation of the gospel in, in all aspects of life, Lord. So I pray for her that you'll empower her uh, to continually maintain these, these things she's learned, Lord, and that, uh, that you will bless her and bless others around because of her. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. This morning we will be in Psalm 30, continuing our, uh, in our series through the Psalms. And uh, when I was asked, uh, I was thankful. This is the first mission trip and the first time I've been to a, a Spanish-speaking church that I was invited to preach two weeks before I showed up. So uh, two other times I was asked about five minutes before the service started. And uh, most of the time it would come in such a manner, say, Brother Brad, the Holy Spirit told me this morning you should preach. <laughs> so, and then I was like, speech, speak through a translator? Uh, with no time to prep, was like super intimidating. So I had a had time to put together a sermon um, and manuscript it um, in such a way that I knew when to stop and allow him to catch up. And uh, um, and then in, in thinking through, like knowing that I was going to preach today, um, do I? I was like. Can I, can I double up? Should I uh, be able to prepare one sermon for two places? And, and really the text is the same and most of the, the, the message will be the same, but it's a completely different experience um, going to a new place where I didn't know the church or the people um, and here I, I know you and, um, and we have this connection and so seeing how God's word is constant, it's the same. Um, but as we then unpack it and look at where we at, what our life experience is. So I'm hoping as we go through this, uh, even to learn, share some of the things I've learned from uh, them and as well as um, things to encourage our hearts today. So we'll be in Psalm 30 and uh, beginning in verse 1. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity... I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And this will conclude our reading. And this morning, uh, <clears throat> one of the things about this passage that I said, yeah, actually, I do want to preach this in Mexico, uh, was the... Uh, the, one of the, the, on the title it says a song at the dedication of the temple 
and a song of dedication. Now, uh, uh, in some it says a, a song of of dedication for David's house or maybe his palace because the temple was built after David died. So David did not write this for the purpose of a dedication at the temple. Uh, He wrote it. Uh, I I very much think David just was writing a song of praise, um, a song of thanks, and and quite possibly for his house and later as we unpack it, as a reminder of, of what his house is to be about. But at some point in time, people began to see this song as a song of dedication to be used at the temple. And so in going to Mexico, we were working with two different organizations that were just beginning, Casa Ebenezer and Casa Abba is our shorthand for, uh, Abba Father's Children's Home. And two new ministries, and I was like, at the beginning of ministry, was um, maybe there's, there's a nugget of truth here. Like, what should we focus on? What should be our priorities to end up to pray a, a blessing and a dedication over that? And uh, in, in the same vein, Lakeside now, we're almost 14 years old, I think, if my math is correct. And, uh, and it's still something that we, we need to maintain and make sure that we are built on the foundation of the Word of God and, and we uh, continually pursue these same truths. And so there is a, a prayer um, at the end that I'm going to pray for us to, to take these truths and apply them into our lives and our ministries um, each and every day. So and in the first few verses, uh, David is, is just wanting to worship the Lord for his deliverance. David is reflecting on his life and saying, I'm going to worship God. And in this, really, in the category of psalms, this is a song, psalm of thanksgiving um, in the category. So we've, we've looked at uh, songs of lament. Uh, lament is when we're disoriented in life and a lot of things are going wrong and we, we spend time in looking at how we need to cry out to God in our distress and ask him to move. Uh, a song of praise is where we uh, look at like Psalm 19 I preached a few weeks ago of like just God is, is amazing. Look at his beauty and, uh, and what he's provided us. And a song of thanks is a, is a song that reorients one who was once disoriented. So coming through a time of lament and distress and then looking back and seeing, hey, God did something in my life and I want to give thanks to God who delivered me so he's on the other side of the distress in this psalm. He is saying, thank you, Lord. Like, I am, I'm back. <laughs> I feel refreshed. I'm excited. I want to praise him. I'm going to tell you why. And it's first, as for his deliverance, David was, um, it's, it's believed that he was sick and sick unto death, like a, an illness was overtaking him, and he was crying out to God for healing. And, uh, and so verse 2 said, oh, Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help, and you healed me. He, he saved him from physical death, you know, and, and it's tough when we go through physical Ill, illness, and sometimes um, we can have a, a small illness that really just kind of bugs us for quite a while. You could be on a mission trip and get stuck with, like, diarrhea for a week, and it's miserable, and you're, like, away from home, and you can't find the proper medicines, and that really disrupts your experience, and, uh, and I've been to my... F- my second mission trip to Dominican Republic, I was six, seven of the ten days with fever and other things, and I was miserable, and I remember just crying out to God, like, God, I came here to serve you, like, I raised all this money, I got prayer support, I flew down here, and now I'm laid on a concrete floor, uh, miserable, and uh, what's going on? 
Like, and, and that was my distress. But in that, looking back and seeing God's goodness and kindness and his deliverance, he did heal me. Uh, but in, and that was a temporary type situation due to the, the travel and the, how your human body interacts with different um, things. But, um, but then there's long-standing things that can uh, be life-threatening and, and scary. And, and here he went through that, and he called out, and he said, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, from the grave. Like, I was on the brink of death, and you brought me back up. You restored me to life from among, among those who go down to the pit. What I find fascinating in this, this phrase, the, the Hebrew word for, uh, for drawing me up is, is the, the word, the phrase for drawing water out of a well. And, uh, and the significance of that didn't quite hit me um, as much. I mean, I heard a little bit of stories from Kayla's updates about digging the well at Casa Alba. But as we were down there, we heard two different uh, stories from Casa Ebenezer and Casa Abba about digging a well and, uh, and the importance of a well. And uh, as Emma said, like here, oftentimes when plan A doesn't work, we go to B or C, uh, we get stuck in um, self-reliance and uh, in our prosperity, we have options. And sometimes we forget just how important water is to our existence. Um, you know, and so they're, they're building and they're investing in a land that if this well doesn't produce water, all that money, all that time, it's all wasted because they can't survive. They can't do anything without water. And so there's just uh, two amazing stories of perseverance. But I'll just talk about uh, Gabi on Casa Ebenezer because their, their well was dug first. And they, they were convinced they found uh, the spot, which they still use the, the divining rod. <laughs> um, and prayer. So uh, it was a fascinating story, but uh, how uh, that happened, uh, and they were convinced um, that this was a spot that God had for them, and they dug down, they dug deeper and deeper, and then they were told there, there is, they hit rock, there's, there's no water here. And they're praying, and praying. Gabi is like talking about how he's, he's in tears praying, God, please, please provide water. And um, Again, investing his entire life into this property and asking God to deliver. And, um, and they got down, and, they, and several times he tells about how he was about to give up, and he had uh, began to make plans, well, maybe we'll put a septic system there if the well doesn't work. So he's already starting to make alternative plans in his mind, and, but he's praying and praying and praying, and he sent the guy um, to check it one more time. And the guy called him and asked him for another 1,000 pesos. And he's like, oh, I, I'd have to run to the bank. What do, I, what do I need that for? And he goes, actually, I'm just kidding. I just, um, the, there's water in the well. And uh, somehow in the well, they, they struck a stream in the rock. And, uh, and so it began to produce water. And then this, their perseverance and faith and belief and prayer was rewarded with a blessing from God, a provision of water, that they didn't make a mistake, that there is water here. And they just went through a drought season not too long ago, um, and all their neighbors' wells went dry. But Casa Ebenezer's well did not go dry. And they were able to put their pump and, put, and pump out water to uh, large buckets in the streets so their neighbors could come and access water. And so the persevering faith uh, there led to their blessing that they, they didn't work in vain, but it also led to the blessing of their community. 
And it's, it's this good reminder that when we're going through the hard time and we're praying and asking God for deliverance, that we need to hold on in faith. When we're tempted to give up because things aren't going our way, hold on, wait on God, trust him, pray in faith, and as you see him deliver you and restore you, that you receive a blessing then that will later bless others for his deliverance in your life. And, then, and so as he goes and spends time of like, I'm going to praise God for his deliverance in my life. He's also inviting us and others to praise God when he asks, reminds us to worship the Lord for his character. So sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And I put worship God for his character because in this, this part where it says his anger is but for a moment. God's anger is not man's anger. It's not human anger. God's, the, God is so different than us. Like Some of what we feel and experience is because he has given us, created us in his image and his likeness and he's given some communicable attributes is the word we use that. Some of the things that is God he's given to us to experience. But because of sin, we, we, are, we mess it up all the time. And so, with like in particular, anger is one of those that you should be skeptical of your own anger. Like you should not trust your anger. And oftentimes we get stuck in the "I'm self-righteous. I have this righteous indignation. I'm mad at cause. I'm I'm righteous because I'm mad." And I would challenge you on that uh, to always start with the default: "I'm wrong in my anger." <laughs> uh, you'll do less damage. Uh, and I I went through and have continued to learn. And I can and I continually ask God like. Don't allow me to trust my own anger. Don't let me act out in my anger. Because when I act out, I will do damage. Uh, but God is merciful and kind even in his anger. And his anger only lasts for a moment. And his anger is for a purpose. Uh, it is to, to draw his children back to himself. God's wrath and his anger is, is temporary, but his favor is a lifetime. Actually, it's, it's an eternity. His favor is... Um, but in Hebrews 12, 6, it says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Every child of God at one point in time will stray away. All we like sheep have gone astray. Right? And, and he's going to pursue us and chase us down and bring us back. Again, his timing is different than our timing because we can oftentimes see something. Um, all, we're really good at seeing things in other people's lives and not as much in our own. Uh, but we'll see someone straying away and be like, hey God, why don't you bring them back in? But you, again, just like in, in the earlier point, we need to persevere in faith, trusting God knows what he's doing and that God's working in their life. But he will um, pursue his child and bring them back. And again, in Hebrews 12, 11, it says, For the moment, for all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That God's anger and his pursuit is for the purpose of reaching us, training us, and leading us into a closer walk with him, into a righteous walk, to, uh, living a, a right life in right relationship with him and right relationship with others. And also we see that God's anger is temporary because of what Jesus has taken, um, that he took God's wrath on himself and took our place on the cross. I'm reminded of Romans 3, 23 through 25 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God 
and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And as we we look at this, this verse, God's wrath is satisfied in Jesus Christ. That Jesus took on our sin, our burden, our shame, our guilt, and, and nailed it to the cross. And he bore that weight. And, uh, and this is uh, the propitiation, which, as many of you know, is like my favorite theological word, that the satisfaction of God's wrath. The once and for all sacrifice. Some will say, um, rather than propitiation, the atoning sacrifice. But it is, it is the once and for all atoning sacrifice that does not need to be repeated. Jesus paid it all, and so when he said it is finished, he is saying on the cross that the wrath of God is satisfied for those who place their faith and trust in Jesus. All of us are sinners, and we come short. We cannot do enough to earn God's favor, but we have to come to him receiving the free gift of what Jesus has provided in, uh, in his death, burial, and his resurrection, and this, uh, this is the provision of the character of God, that he is holy and just and merciful and kind. And as we explore who he is, it should lead us to sing praise to his name, to praise him together, that again, when we come together corporately as the church and we lift up our voices in unison to praise his name because Jesus didn't save us to isolation he saved us to community he called us to be a part of the church and not just Lakeside Christian Church but the church at large and so when we go and we visit a different country in a different language we are singing praises to this same God who is, uh, whose character is worthy of being praised because he is a righteous and merciful God and then as David's going through he's worshiping God for delivering him for who God is then he's also worshiping the Lord for his forgiveness and here's kind of an interesting break when you're reading through the the psalm that in verse 6 it takes a, a, a little different feel like what's going on here it says as for me I said in my prosperity I shall never be moved by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. And here I think David is looking back. So in, in the beginning, he's like, this is where I am. God delivered me. Now he's going to look back and, sit and reflect on God's goodness towards him and, uh, and his, his own mistakes, his own um, uh, that he gets, he's prone to, to wander, that, that sense that all of us have, that we're prone to get our eyes off of Jesus. And he says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Uh, that as he became king and as they established a palace and they had fortifications and they had armies, that David became proud and the blessing God gave him, he began to take on pride as if it was his own. That, that now I am like, I am, I've arrived. I, I have all these good things. And, uh, and he focused on himself. But then he's, he's reflecting back that, God, you're the one who made my mountain strong. You're the one who gave me favor. And when you hid your face, I was dismayed. So here, here he's saying, like, I became proud in my prosperity, not recognizing that, God, you're the one who gave all that to me, and all it took was for you to turn your face from me, and I, was, I, I, was, I realized I was wrong. I was dismayed because your, your face was 
turn for me into um, and when in the Hebrew when it's talking about the, the face of God it's, the, it's experiencing and understanding the presence of God and the, the, the blessings of God and, uh, and here he had got caught up in pride and then that pride led to his downfall and we could think of several stories throughout David's life that led to it what, one story not from David but a, it's just a very clear picture of this in Daniel chapter 4 King Nebuchadnezzar uh, experienced this and was like stated hey king if you don't recognize God then that this the, the power and prosperity that you have if you don't recognize God you're, you're going to lose your mind basically as, as we know the story but just a couple verses in Daniel chapter 4 verse 27 uh, Daniel gives King Nebuchadnezzar a warning says therefore O king let my counsel be acceptable to you break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. He's saying, King, if you stop taking credit for all this and you begin to do what God wants you to do, uh, then maybe, maybe that you will stave off this judgment and your prosperity will continue. But as we know, Nebuchadnezzar says uh, a verse later, a year from that day, he walks out and he's like, look at this kingdom. Look how powerful and great I am. Look at this is all mine. And at that moment, his mind was taken for him. And for the next seven years, he lived as an animal in the fields until at the end of chapter 4 and verse 34, he says this, At the end of my days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation all the inhabitants of the earth are count, counted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? And this, it is in praising God and seeing God for who he is that his mind was restored. And you know, we are not too different from David or Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, we have this, this human condition of sin, that even as believers, we can turn our eyes to ourselves, And we live in a culture that is so self-saturated and, and pursuing seek within and elevate yourself. And, um, and so we can look at the things that we have, the, the accomplishments we, we've done, and, and begin to take pride in ourselves or what we've done or our job. And so we'll say things like, you know, um, you know, if I get this job, then life is going to be perfect. If I, if I make this much money, life's going to be perfect. If I have this car, life's going to be perfect. If I have this relationship, life's going to be perfect. And we can make the list. Like, we always put these little things on. If I have this, then life is good. And then when we get it, we're like, look at that. I got this. I got this. Instead of saying, if we have Jesus, life will be perfect. Not like perfect, perfect. Huh? He never promises us an easy life. But in Christ is where we find satisfaction for our soul for this life and the next. And those things can, can be good things. As Tim Keller said, like when we make a good thing an ultimate thing, we've created an idol. And how many idols creep into our life and, and puff ourselves up? And so we need to be reminded, as David need to be reminded, that in our prosperity, in the comforts that I have, my mind has wandered to myself or my comforts and away from God. And, and hopefully that we hearken Daniel's words to Nebuchadnezzar to, to repent before God turns his face and then we, we are dismayed. Like God will 
humble us. So we, James tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift us up. And we can do that um, by, through confession. If we live a, a life of repentance, and 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the author of Hebrews says it this way in 13, uh, verses 5 and 6, says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So can we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And in Hebrews, it's, he's like hitting on the same thing David is saying. David's saying, in my prosperity, I took my eyes off of God. And in Hebrews, says, don't fall for the love of money, which will take your eyes off of Jesus. I don't love money. And instead, be content in God. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. It is about our relationship with him. <clears throat> and so in, and so as he goes through this part of uh, praising God because God forgave him for turning his back on God and restored him. And so when we see in our, in our desperation, our sin, when we confess and we find forgiveness, we should offer praise to God and tell others of his goodness. And then lastly, worship the Lord for his blessings. Uh, we worship a God who turns things around in verses 11 and 12 says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Um, God, God turns the script. He flips things upside down. And once, like as Gabby and then as Jackson, when they're digging their well and they thought it was done, the Lord provided in the last second. And both of them, they hit rock bed, and God brought water forth. And when Caleb first told me, I was like, hey, you know, God's, you read the Old Testament, God's kind of known for bringing water from the rocks, right? So um, it's just neat to see how God provided that for them in the wells. And, uh, and then as we go through our, our even just our, our short missions trip of raising money, of inviting prayer, of going through the difficulties. I know Peter mentioned about the, the passport not being in until like the last second and, um, and having this, this, uh, this example of praying in faith and trusting God and he delivered then and time and time again throughout our trip where we saw God answer prayers and, and bless us because we just simply stopped and said, God, I, I, need, I need you. I, I need you to do something. Um, and the aunt, was it? Anna shared about the... Uh, the tea, praying over the tea, and that God gives the healing. Um, and it was just this good reminder of like, wow, before we take our medicines, let's pray and ask God, heal me, Lord, like you're the one who does it. Um, uh, before we, you know, start our day, God, what would you have for me? How can I glorify you? Like every moment, the first thing should be, how, how can I take this to God in prayer instead of the last thing oftentimes? And so let's try to live with no plan B, plan a like walk with god and uh, trust him and receive his blessings um and uh, when we persevere and we follow him we will see him flipping the script in our life even um uh, as we pray for things second corinthians nine fifteen says thanks be to god for his in inexpressible gifts that god gives far more abundantly above and beyond anything we could ask or think. And so this, as we think of these things, this is my prayer for Lakeside, that we would be a house of deliverance, seeing God set captives free and hearts healed. 
I pray that we will be a house that declares God's character, bringing sinners into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That we will be a house of forgiveness, reconciling wayward hearts. That we will be a house of blessing and experience and the joy of the Lord in all that we do. And because we receive this as Lakeside, that because we exist, that God would be glorified and many would worship God together with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the experiences we had on our missions trip, Lord, as a parable of life. Lord, I thank you for um, your provisions uh, in life that you provide healing, uh, Lord, that you provide spiritual healing through your son, Jesus Christ, uh, Lord, to those who believe, and then, Lord, that, um, that you invite us into uh, a close walk with you, that we can live each and every day uh, worshiping you, Lord, and that... Um, Lord, because you deliver us and, and because you uh, forgive us, because you're a God of, of love, Lord, that, that you bless us. And I pray that our blessings would not just be something we hold for ourselves, but Lord, that would uh, bless others around us, even as Casa Ebenezer's well was a blessing, Lord, but it blessed their neighborhood. May uh, the living waters in our lives flow forth into those around us. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, and I'm reminded that we worship you because you are good, loving, and merciful. Uh, that we worship you because you have delivered us and forgiven us. We worship you because uh, you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. We worship you because you have brought us here together in your name. Hear our prayers, Lord. Heal us, strengthen us, and bless us. May our dancing and singing bring you glory and praise. Amen.